If you've lost your job or are considering a career move, you might feel that now isn't a great time to secure a new position. Movement restrictions across the globe have caused many to lose their jobs as schools, malls and businesses had to shut up shop. Here in the UAE, movement restrictions saw malls, schools and businesses close while the government worked to contain the spread of the virus. While the restrictions have eased, some residents have been affected financially, either through a salary cut or job loss. While there are numerous stimulus measures in place to help those whose finances have been affected, such as debt relief from the banks for individuals and small and medium enterprises, finding a job to secure a regular income is still key. So as the economy slowly eases up again, what is the best way to secure a new job in this climate? Which sectors are hiring? And how do you make sure your CV stands out? And of course, how do you negotiate salaries at this time? I'm Alice Hayne, the Personal Finance Editor of The National, and once again, I'm recording this podcast remotely because I'm working from home. Joining me today is David McKenzie, Group Managing Director of recruitment company McKenzie Jones, who will guide us through the options for job seekers. Welcome back to the show, David. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Coping. Uh, We're all trying to cope at this time. So, as a recruitment company, have you managed to cope without making any cuts in the company, in your own company? Uh, we've, we've, we've had um, a couple of people leave, one off their own volition, but uh, one we did exit, but that was down to more long-term performance issues. We've not actually let anyone go. Uh, we've got a couple of people who are currently on furlough, but they're being paid for it until their holidays expire. So, what we have done is we've implemented a pay cut across the group, which um, everyone's had to take, and myself and the CFO have had to take a, a quite considerable one as well. So everyone, to be honest with you, is really pulling hard to make sure that we get out of this in, in a good state, to put it that way. So how has the jobs market been affected? I mean, has your rate of business dropped that much? Yes, significantly. I reckon we're down to about 50% of our, our job count from six months ago, easily. Um, the odd thing is, though, it's very interesting, the the amount of placements we've made per consultant has actually gone up. And I think that's because we're very focused with a smaller number of clients on performing a very good job. So rather than have, you know, roughly on average, we fill between four and 500 roles per year. I think this year it's probably more likely to be about 50% of that. Um, but we, the, the roles we are working on, we fill a higher percentage per job, if that makes sense. Um, because I think clients we're spending a lot of time with now, we're really focusing on their work, and clients have been super supportive towards us as well. And there is definitely a sense of optimism now that people are allowed outside a bit more, because I think that's almost a stage of, of lockdown coming off. It still hasn't happened, but we certainly in the last couple of weeks had more roles rung into us, which is which is a, a rarity. But I don't know if I can't really tell. It's too early to, to say whether the, the market is picking up, but we're definitely getting some more roles in. Well, I mean, you're back in the office, which is a positive sign. Are companies actually hiring? Are there jobs out there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we had a very average April. Um, it looks like May is going to be very good. So we'll be in profit territory, which is good. And June is looking really good. So 
I think in that basis, we're going to continue to grow over the next couple of months. Now, I don't know whether some of the, the lag from a couple of months ago is now caught up now, and then it depends on how many jobs we keep picking up over the next couple of months. Are companies actually delaying start dates now? Are they saying, I want this person, but I'd like them to start a bit later? Oh, yeah, most of them are. So we, we've had a number of start dates move. So the reason why our May, uh, our April was so bad and our May is going to be so good is we have four placements shift. We've also had one candidate's had their induction day move three times. So I think clients are being very cautious. We're having a new phenomenon, actually, which is a very interesting one. So clients are actively recruiting now, but they're saying we will recruit now. We will, we'll, we will not start the candidates until June or July. So they're giving them offer letters, telling them not to resign. Um, and they are basically, a month before they're due to start, they're asking them to resign. So I think companies are hedging their bets slightly to see what the market's doing as well. Okay, so that's, that, I mean, that's quite positive. It means it's a long-term recruitment is picking up. But what sort of sectors are actually hiring now? Who, who wants people? Really the obvious ones. So we're, we're doing an awful lot of work with FMCG companies. So anybody that is working with in the food industry, as in manufacturing of food, um, consumables like toiletries, um, also the delivery companies are doing quite well at the moment. But also we've got some really interesting work coming out of pharma companies and also IT companies because, because everyone's now starting to, to work from home. I think companies are now really looking at their IT and seeing how flexible they are in terms of providing the same service from the office to the home as well. Okay. And that's that's focusing mainly on the UAE. What about further fields of GCC, wider region, or maybe maybe globally? I mean, who's hiring? I think the multinationals are being a lot more conservative about their hiring plans. So a lot of the companies we've been recruiting for have been local companies that are vested very much in the UAE and they're transacting in the UAE, selling their products in the UAE. Oddly enough, our second biggest market is Saudi, and we've been doing an awful lot of work in Saudi over the last couple of months. And that is really, I think the companies we've been recruiting over there, airlines, food again, and some of the big uh, mega development or mega projects we've been working on. The rest of the GCC is very quiet at the moment due to border restrictions because we can't actually place candidates in roles in Saudi. A lot of the ones we're placing in Saudi are starting remotely. So they've been offered, they've actually, one of our clients has been really clever. They've got an onboard, um, remote onboarding process. So you start on a day and you get full onboarding. Then you literally for the first week have L&D, learning and development on, uh, remotely. And then they will start you from home with a view to moving you to Saudi in, in two, three, four months' time. I mean, I was wondering that is how do you actually start a job if you can't go into the office or you can't fly into that particular country? It, it is a tricky one. Well, I think clients are being really clever now. They realise that if they want good people, they're going to have to be smart about how they hire them. So I think companies that have been able to onboard remotely have got some really good talent starting with them now. So I also think companies have been quite clever. What they're looking at now is, even though the market is still fairly depressed, what they're doing is going, right, we know when this market turns, we will not have enough people in our business to operate if our business growth goes up by 30%. So what they're doing is saying, right, we need these sorts of people, David. Can you go and talent pool those people and start interviewing them 
with the view that when we see the market turning, we can start interviewing and hiring those people very quickly. So those are the really smart companies at the moment. Anybody who's not looking at when, when this market turns is going to miss a trick. And it will turn. I mean, and I, I do say that to people, you know, once the virus eases or once we have a vaccine, the whole situation will change. And I think it will change fairly fast. Yeah, again, we're, Alice, we're eternal optimists, aren't we? But I, I do think, you know, we were here in 2007, 2008, when the market completely crashed. And it's amazing how quickly the UAE came back. You've got to remember, the, the, the problem with the places like the UK, even though they're starting to ease lockdowns, they're going to be hit by a massive financial burden because of all the fiscal easing they've done. It's not happened so much in the UAE. So when we do turn companies will not be able to operate with the current levels of staff they have because they, they obviously had to let people go due to the crisis. So I think when it does turn, it'll turn very quickly and there almost might be a mini boom in terms of jobs. So on that note, if you have lost your job or you have an unsustainable salary cut, and by that I mean some people have had big cuts that you can't really sustain over a long period of time, what strategies should they take? How should they be job hunting now? I think plan is, is the most important thing. So because you normally in your day-to-day life, you've got to balance your current job, your family, your exercise, schedule, everything, looking for a job always comes third or fourth. So now when you're at home, you've got a bit of a chance to take 10 minutes or 20 minutes out of your day-to-day job, or if you're not working, you've got plenty of time to do this, and start look at your CV first, Look at your online presence, i.e. LinkedIn, and start engaging with people like ourselves, headhunters, who can start advising on what to do in this market. Then identify, obviously, the key companies you want to work for and start having a dialogue with those. So connecting through LinkedIn, start writing articles, becoming a thought leader. So you've got to remember, as, as we come out of this market, there will be lots of people out there looking for a job, the ones that actually are still here. And those people will be doing everything to plan and get the right company on their CV now. So where can people find job postings? Where should they be looking? The obvious one's LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a, a very good source of not only jobs, but information on recruitment companies, or companies as well. But the other one is obviously Bait, uh, Monster, all the usual job sites, Napkery Golf, etc. They they all have, but also the, the one thing people forget to do is go onto the company's web pages because often what you'll find is if, if it's somewhere like uh, Pepsi, you go onto their jobs, their, their web company web page, there'll be jobs on there. You can apply directly to the company. And if there are no job postings, how do you proactively find work? I mean, going back many, many years ago when I started my career. I finished my postgraduate diploma in journalism and I wrote 25 media companies and I got offered three jobs. Nobody was actually advertising. I just targeted those companies. I still tell graduates to do that. So is that something you should do is just contact the people you want to work for? Absolutely. The the, the benefit of this in this market is if you look at our website, we've probably got about 10 or 15 jobs on there. We've probably got about 20 or 30 live roles we're currently working on. We don't tend to advertise all of them. Two reasons. One is we, we, we've got a, uh, a never-ending supply of good talent at the moment. And if you put an advert out, you tend to get 800 replies. So a lot of companies won't put their jobs on their website because they'll be inundated with response. So if you want to work for Pepsi or you want to work for Mackenzie Jones... 
email their HRD or their chief exec, say, I've identified your company as somebody I'd really like to work for. These are my skill sets. Are you free for a, um, an informal chat or a general conversation? And I think that sort of dialogue with companies now shows that you really want to work for that company. But make sure you tailor the message to each company. So, example, if you're writing about McKenzie Jones, say, look, David, I've noticed that you've just done a recent thing for Klein with Rio, so you've also identified with my social media. I'm very keen to engage with you, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure you do an intelligent way of, of writing to somebody. Don't just say, dear sir, I'm interested in working for your company. Please let me know what jobs you've got. It's not personalised enough. And once you've found a job that you can actually apply for, I mean, you know at the moment there's going to be a lot of competition. So how do you make sure that your CV stands out? It's that old CV question. I mean, it's always, you know, should I have a photo on the top? You know, what, what are the tricks that you should be going for now? I, I kind of like the photo on the top because that, that shows sort of what you look in business attire. Obviously, don't send a picture of you on the beach or you and your kids or anything like that. Believe me, we get loads of those. Very unusual. Oh, my goodness. Um, but, but make sure your CV is tailored to what the job actually is asking for. The problem you get in this market, and this is why companies and recruiters often don't advertise their jobs, is because everybody applies for every single job. They don't read the job, they're not relevant. So I would say now, to every application we get for the job, probably 93% are completely irrelevant for the job we post. So what happens is your CV then, if you're completely relevant, gets lost. So my view, if you're, if you're applying on a company website and you don't hear anything back, send a follow-up email saying, I hope you don't mind me uh, following up. I don't know if you've got my CV. If you did, it would be really great to get some feedback. If you send it through a LinkedIn post, then link into the HR director or whoever posted it. So look, I don't mean sorry to chase you, but... I sent my CV, is there any feedback? Because sometimes the recruiter or the head of HR will just not see your CV because there's so many CVs that are irrelevant. And and it's also kind of a time to touch base with your network, isn't it? Anyone that you know who might be able to give you a good reference or anyone that you know who might know somebody who's hiring who can put in a recommendation for you. It is is a good time to be networking. And as you say, we can do that remotely we don't have to be in a, a sort of network meeting these days we can do all of this remotely yeah I think, look, the reality is if you're if you're a, an expert so example if you're a journalist so you keep in contact with various business leaders in the region you keep in contact with fellow journalists because it's part of your day-to-day role so if ever you were looking for a new job you could probably reach out to your your network and they wouldn't think it's odd you're reaching out to them because you do it fairly regularly the problem you have with most people, they're in a job and they forget to network because they're safe in a job. Suddenly they get made redundant, they start reaching out to everyone and people don't know them. So you, you need to, at this point in time, start developing a relationship in, in your specific market so you become known as an expert in, say, HR or marketing and people seek your opinions and your advice. So I find most of my best candidates, if I phone up a client and say, I've got... David McKenzie's just keen to work. Oh, I know David. I saw his really good article on LinkedIn the other day. Great. We'd like to have a conversation with him. So the, the more you can do to raise your profile on social media, including business social media like LinkedIn, 
the easier it is and, and the more you'll be known as a good candidate in your, uh, your specific field. So it's about being proactive. And what about, you know, there's a plethora of online courses out there at the moment. Is this a good time to brush up on any skills that you might have got missing from your CV or to, to tap into the latest thought processes on your particular field? I think it is if you want to. If you feel you have to and you should, but you're not interested, then don't do it because you need to be engaged in learning to actually get the best out of the course. So if you're interested, then, then you should always be doing additional learning anyway, but make sure you go through and you pick the best course. And if you're unsure of the course, ask your network or ask people who are in, if you wanted to do digital, ask people you've linked into, what do you think is the best digital course to enhance my CV? Get your network to give you advice and guidance as well. Yeah, but it's also about staying relevant. You know, as, as we get older, you have to try and keep up with those that are younger than you as well. So maybe learning about digital might be something that it's just about getting abreast of the current trends as well, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, you, you, if you're a marketer and you don't understand digital, then you are going to be phased out very quickly in your life. Um, it's a bit like us in recruitment. You know, we've had to adopt home working, but we were one of the first people to adopt the internet recruiters because it was an easier way of us connecting with candidates. So you need to look at the trends in the marketplace. And if you're in your tr- chosen profession, which like you, Alice, you know, blogs now are probably sometimes more important than, than written content because of your audience, they, they have a better appetite for blogs. I'm assuming. And podcasts. And podcasts. (laughs) Yeah. See, See, I think podcasts in the last five years have just gone from being a very niche thing to something where, I mean, when I'm running now, I listen to podcasts all the time. So I find it a really interesting way of of focusing, not on my running, but on listening to to new areas. And I think if you're in business, the, the amount of information online through podcasts or blogs or whatever from industry leaders is amazing. You can learn so much from those. And I, this is the big question here, David, salaries. You know, we, everybody wants to talk to you about salaries all the time, but is this the right time to be heavy-handed about getting the best rate? No, no. I think you've got to remember there are clients are looking to, um, to, look, to look at their candidates that are coming through for interviews, and they will go through a very swift process of, excluding you from the shortlist. One is you're asking too much money. The other one is you're, you're irrelevant in terms of experience. You're the wrong sector. So you need to make yourself as attractive as possible when a company is looking. So you need to be very realistic about your salary these days. And for those with jobs as well, I suppose, talking, asking for a, a pay rise at this time or asking about that bonus, is, is that a bit of a no-no at the moment as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to be very aware of the current situation. Companies are really struggling to make money, but more importantly, they're really struggling to keep all their, their people. So if you go in there and say, look, you promised me six months ago a pay review, um, I'd like it. I, I suspect your boss is going to look at you and go, do you realise what's going on in the world? I think if you, the, the best way to, to do that is say, look, I know we talked about a pay review, and I'm very conscious the company can't that moment so I'm very happy with that but can we retable this for six months time so I can review it again and I think that shows your commitment to the company and it shows your pragmatism and realism about where we are currently in this market. 
So I suppose not asking for a salary at this time and not asking for a bonus, that that should be the norm. But what about job security? I mean, not everybody has had a pay cut or lost their jobs. And I think most of us by now would know whether we are in line for a pay cut or redundancy. You kind of get a feel for what's going in across the com- company. Um, and I think that's because most employees are pretty irresponsible. They've already told employees, this is our strategy. This is what we're going to do. Your job is safe or your job isn't safe. But there's no guarantee going forward. So how should you make sure that you are indispensable, so to speak? You know, how do you make sure that your job stays secure? Yeah, I think that's, that is the number one topic now, isn't it? How do you make yourself so valuable to the company that you'll never go on that dreaded list of, of potential cuts? I don't, by the way, I don't think the cuts are finished. You know, a friend of mine yesterday told me that it's likely he will be made redundant shortly after making his whole team redundant. So I don't think, I think the cuts will continue on. I also think companies are using this as a time to re-engineer their businesses to make them smaller and more efficient. So on that basis, what you need to do is you need to go to your boss and say, right, what is the plan for this business going forward and how can I really affect change and make myself invaluable. Be very honest with it and say, I want to work really hard. I want to really support this company to help you guys get through this. And likewise, I want to be in a situation when the dust settles that I've been seen as an individual that has really, really worked hard and helped the company change its fortunes. What about freelancing? I mean, if you really have no work at the moment, you've got you've still got to pay the bills. So um, is this a time to be hustling and doing sign gigs, anything that brings the money in? I mean, in the UK, we've seen pilots becoming delivery drivers. I've seen other professions, you know, professionals who are now supermarket shelf stackers. Part of that is that kind of sense of duty and and giving back to society at a a difficult time. What should people be doing if if there really isn't a job at the moment, but there might be further down the line? How do they keep the money coming in? It's it's all of those things. I think... If you're in a situation where you have been made redundant, there's also a psychological thing here. When you get made redundant, you go into a sort of free fall for a bit because your very nature of your existence has been taken away for you for a period of time. And there's that sense of rejection as well. I I often think people feel quite rejected. I think it's terrible. I mean, I've yet to have that situation myself, but I know loads of people have and who are really good people that that have been made redundant because of, of... external factors and I think it really needs a lot of support from people that's why we do a lot of stuff with Canvas just having a chat with them you know how are you how's the family what are you doing so going going back to what you can do is a number of those things is if there is no work out there rather than sit at home and watch Netflix and and slump back into your your sort of stupor get out and do stuff so I had a really good candidate that, that he got made redundant He's been out of work for a bit. So you put a post out on LinkedIn saying, right, I'm an HR professional. If your company needs help, I'm available for the next couple of months, free of charge, to, to help you through this crisis. That, that did two things. One, it gets him out practicing what he's good at. The second thing is it helps the company. But more importantly, it sends a very clear message out there that he is an action person who will get stuff done for people. Oddly enough, he got taken by a company for a week. Two weeks later, they offered him a permanent job. So do things that are slightly different. If, 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 you're, uh, if you're not a professional, you're uh, uh, like your brother was saying, a uh, uh, florist, then do something that will help your community because 
you need to feel valued and doing things like delivering pharmaceuticals or, you know, 60-year-olds can't go into the supermarkets here. So we've got a bit of a community thing going on the ranches where if you're 60, you can go into this group and people will deliver food for you and go to the supermarket. It just gets you active and gets you out into the marketplace, but it, it keeps your mind active as well. That's a really key thing. And it's still something to put on the CV. It, it, it still shows that you were busy at a time when you might not have been. Have your finances been affected by the coronavirus? Send us your stories and questions to pf at the national.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Which brings us on to a question from a listener. This is from HG in Dubai. And he writes, I have been placed on unpaid leave with no end in sight. I work in events in the hospitality sector. And while my employer has assured me I have a job, they cannot say when my salary will start again, as it depends on when life returns to normal. So should I stick with my employer and wait it out or look for something else? Financially, I can only last for so long. So that's a tricky one because HG still has a job, but doesn't know when the salary is going to come in. So what, what kind of strategy do we have here? Because having a job is still very important at this stage because you know there's possibly going to be a future salary. So uh, what, what should he do? I think you should start looking because the very nature is if employee isn't paying you means that actually there is no job for it there at the moment. So if I was that individual, I would be out looking now. Um, if you get a role, you can then go back to your company and say, right, I've been offered a role. Is it likely my job in the next week or two will come back? If it doesn't, I'm going to have to take this alternative opportunity. So it's time to get out there not and not wait. I think the problem is we don't know when this is going to end, Alice. You know, it could end in July. It could end in September. It could end. So how long can you, you know, you've got to support family. You've got to support yourself. You've got bills to pay. And I think it's great that companies are supporting their people. But if you're not being paid, then you really have to look at alternative ways of getting money. And that is by finding a new job ultimately. Absolutely. I, I agree with you, David. At the end of the day, we've all got to pay our bills. So I think HG needs to get back out there on the market and just see if there's something else that he can do, or even if there's you know short-term projects he can take on, just some way to bring the cash in. But if, but if, he's really, if he really likes his employer, and, and, and I know people that really love their employers, but they're in a situation where it's, not, it's actually not the employer's fault, it's just the market's crashed, they have, especially in events, they've had to cut people. And, and I think, you know, for me as, a, as an employer, it, it, it breaks my heart when we have to put people on, on leave. In many ways, sometimes you have to say, look, enough's enough. I have to, to go out there and, and get a new role. Now, the question is, are the roles out there? If they're not, then you, you just have to keep in contact with your employer and keep them updated on what you're doing as an individual as well. Plus, also, I do think your employer should be keeping in contact with you. So all the people we've got on leave at the moment, we call them each week to see how they are. There's two reasons. One is it makes them feel valued because you're phoning them. And secondly, it gives them a, uh, an idea of what's going on in the company and how you're feeling so they're still engaged with your company. If your company's not doing that, I would have more concerns. I mean, it is a worrying time and, and that's a good effort on your part because people need reassurance. So to round off here, David, what are the top three tips that you would advise people who are looking for a job right now plan most important one 
figure out what you're going to do, put a plan into place. Engagement, so make sure you start engaging with your market. So companies you want to work with, individuals you want to connect up with to get advice on. And the third one is optimistic. Be optimistic that the market will turn, you will get a role, it's just a matter of timing. And, and I think you have to keep that optimism out there because if you don't have that, then there's no point in being in the UAE anymore because we're a country of optimism, aren't we? Absolutely. And the reality is, I, I think, if anywhere, the UAE will bounce back quicker than most other places because we locked down very quickly. We've got, we, we haven't overly stimulated the market um, like UK has. So I think we're going to probably come out of it quicker and better health. Brilliant. Well, that's sound advice. Thank you very much, David. A pleasure. Thank you this week to David McKenzie of McKenzie Jones. If you have a question you would like to ask us, send it to pf at thenational.ie. And remember, that's pf for personal finance. Please subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Haynes.